Welcome everyone to Tamriel Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I am your host, Eric A.K.A. Sulior, and today we are going to be doing a retrospective on the game that not only introduced me to the Elder Scrolls, but to Bethesda as a whole, and that is Oblivion. But uh, before we get to that, I wanted to take a moment and say, or just express my condolences to everybody uh, in the United Kingdom for the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. Um, kind of ironic that I'm covering a game today that kind of deals with the death of a ruler. Uh, completely coincidental. I did not plan for that, obviously, but um, the Queen touched a lot of people's lives. Um, my life and my wife's life uh, included. My wife has spent the last, I don't know how many years, uh, like researching the history of British royalty. And the only reason I know as much as I do about that whole thing is because I listen to her quite a bit. So her passing affected my wife, uh, and it was it was uh, and it, it hurts seeing her hurting. Um, recently, I actually got her a Funko Pop of Queen Elizabeth II. And the Funko Pop comes with a little corgi also, if you know anything about Queen Elizabeth II. She loved her corgis. And uh, after uh, the Queen passed, we actually also picked up a Funko Pop of Prince Harry. So, yeah, um, condolences to everybody in the UK and uh, UK territories, because uh, there are still countries around the world that... Uh, the British royal family is sovereign over. So, anyway, yeah, just uh, thought I'd throw, it out, throw that out there. So, let's get to some news here. So, I, again, get articles suggested to me from Google because I do so much research for the uh, show. And this one is... Uh, an article from What Culture that is a list of top 10 or of the 10 games that you should try on hard mode uh, because they completely change the experience. So let's go through this here. So, number 10 is XCOM Enemy Unknown, a game I've never played. Apparently, it's done by 2K Games. And let's see, number 9 is God of War, the one that came out a few years ago, uh, 2018. And it's a game that I've always wanted to play. Um, so this is when the God of War series shifted from Greek mythology to Norse mythology. Um, so that, again, is a game that I would love to play. Now, uh, yeah, Ragnarok. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to play that too. Unfortunately, I don't have a, a current PlayStation. So number eight is a game I'm pretty familiar with. This is Fallout 4. Now, I haven't played it on hard mode, but I know there are people in the ASA podcasting community that only pretty much play things in hard mode. So with this one, it turns into survival. So you need to eat and drink and sleep to 
replenish your health, and also you can only save if you sleep in a bed. So you need to know where the beds are that you can use to sleep. So uh, yeah, definitely uh, at some point I will get the courage to try that. Number seven is Doom. Now I have played, this is 2016 Doom, the, the reboot. Now this is a game I have played, but I've never played it on hard mode and I, God, I, don't, I can't even imagine. Uh, Doom is a game that's hard on easy. So, at least for me, um, I know that I'm sure there's some players out there that are all about it. Me, not so much. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, number six is Alien Isolation. This is not a game that I've played, but I do enjoy Aliens, Predator, and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah. Number five is The Evil Within. Now, this is a game I really wanted to play because it looked interesting, and I... It, I played a little bit of it because it's on Game Pass. Um, I don't know. I <laughs> Definitely a horror game. Um, I don't know. I might give it another shot, but it, I'm not a big fan. Like I, I, I don't want to say I'm not a big fan, but I don't typically find myself drawn to straight-up horror games. I do like spooky elements, but I don't know about so much horror. Uh, I don't know, that's just me. I like watching horror movies, but it's a little bit different when you're when you're uh, the one being chased and everything. Uh, number five is Devil May Cry. Another series I haven't really tried, but I think I'd enjoy it. I, I have to get around and uh, giving it a shot here. This is specifically... Devil May Cry 5. So, yeah, it basically just amps up everything in the game. Need to try it at some point. Okay, so apparently the Devil May Cry thing was number four. Number three is the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Now, I've played the original a little bit. I didn't get super far in it. Um... I can't play the remake because it's a PlayStation exclusive, but it is definitely one that I would be interested in playing. Um, I, th I mean, I got a little far in the original. I need to go back and play it. I've got it on the Nintendo Switch, but um, I I kept getting taken out by possessed houses, kind of like monster house. Um, yeah, definitely, if I had the opportunity to play the remake, I would want to. But uh, at this point, I don't, since it's a PlayStation exclusive. So, number two is The Last of Us 1 and 2. Now, The Last of Us is definitely a series that I've heard a lot of people say good things about. I have never played them. Um, I would like to. But, yeah, I guess, uh, again, it ups the ante of these. And... Again, it's a survival horror game, but hey, you know, every now and then I do play those. I'm not saying I'm completely anti-horror games. So, hopefully I'll be able to get a, give it a shot. And number one is the Resident Evil 7 Biohazard game. So, um, I've played a little bit of Resident Evil. It's not one that I've played a ton of. I know certain people are really into uh, Resident Evil that, again, check out First Aid Spray, show that Mr. KDB is part of. 
And so, yeah, I guess it just makes enemies that much stronger, appearing greater numbers earlier than they would in a typical playthrough. Kind of like uh, The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, Master Quest, how certain enemies show up earlier than they have, so, or than they normally would. So, yeah, that um, definitely kind of cool. So, yeah, that is that article. Uh, let's see what else we got here in the news. So, there is a mod that uh, brings Mar. It, it basically is a remaster of Morrowind. It's called Morrowind Rebirth. And it is uh, version 6.0 is now out. And in this article, there's a link for it. And it'll tell you how to use or how to play it and all that good stuff. So uh, it says here that it downscales dozens of custom textures that weren't unnecessarily large. It also upscales dozens of custom textures and improves a couple of models. And it adds new textures and models. And furthermore, it makes the glass parts of travel lanterns feel more transparent and less plastic looking. That is a quote from this article here. So, yeah, if you're interested, I'm going to leave the article uh, URL in the show notes. So, here is another article of uh, Elder Scrolls related, and it is about Redguard. So, it's uh, saying, remembering Elder Scrolls Redguard, the little-known flop that led to Skyrim. Okay, um, so this game came out, I want to say right before Morrowind and it was a PC exclusive and you can play it now it's available on Steam and it is if you have the ultimate uh, game pass subscription you can get it on PC for free so of course uh, <laughs> I bought it before that um, well I guess I could have anyway but uh, yeah, it's just some information about Redguard. It is the only Elder Scrolls game that you play as a named, like a specific NPC that you don't create yourself. So, and this takes place while Hyper Septim is still alive. So, it's about a Redguard named Cyrus. He is looking for his sister who has gone missing. He's got some screenshots, and uh, I. you can also, like, if you follow uh, Lotus of Doom on Twitch. He's played this. Um, he's also talked about it on the Elder Scrolls forecast. So, this, yeah, it's a, it's a spinoff of the Elder Scrolls series that a lot of people haven't heard of. So, at least give it a shot. Let's see. There is more info. <laughs> I talked about this on Super Nintendo, but there's rumors going around that the anniversary edition of Skyrim is coming to the Nintendo Switch. And I've given my thoughts about this on Nintendo, but I'll kind of reiterate what I'm saying here. So, again, I don't know how much I believe this, because the, the anniversary edition of Skyrim is essentially... Skyrim Special Edition, and it gives you access to all of the Creation Club mods. So there's, and at least 
in my mind, there's two ways they could go about doing this. They could give you access to the Creation Club, or they give you everything as one download. So, I, it, it, and I hope this is true. I don't know how much stock I put into this rumor. But if it is true, in my mind, that means that this could lead to a release of Fallout 4 on the Switch. Which people have been, you know, calling out and calling for for months, years. So when Skyrim first came out, it did not have access to the Creation Club. It did. It came out in 2011. It didn't have the Creation Club with it. That came with Skyrim Special Edition. Fallout 4 was released with Creation Club access. So again, if this rumor is true, then again, hopefully it could lead to an eventual thought for release on the Switch. But as of this point, it's just rumor and innuendo. So again, I hope this is true, but who knows? Um, there, <laughs> I got I got a, a an article here, and the title says Queen Elizabeth II's death has unlocked a new quest in Elder Scrolls V Skyrim that no one saw coming. So, what do we do? It says, what do we do? Skyrim, David Bowie, and recently deceased, or what do Skyrim, David Bowie, and the recently deceased Queen Elizabeth II have in common? A tweet, it turns out, is all it takes to combine these three seemingly separate things. The official David Bowie Twitter account tweeted early on Saturday in a font that was immediately recognizable to anybody who spent time playing the incredible, incredibly popular game Skyrim. In fact, it looked like a new quest in the game. Unfortunately, this is not the case, regardless of how absolutely bonkers that would have uh, seemed, that would have been. So basically, it was a tweet in the font of the Skyrim quest log, and it says, out of respect for the people, uh, out of respect for the people of the UK and Queen Elizabeth II, we will be postponing the Bowie on the blockchain sale. We will update soon. So it's got that font style along with the symbols above and below it. So it looks like a quest log. So <laughs> take that for what you will. It's kind of amusing, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it wasn't something that you actually find in game, but it was a tweet. So uh, yeah, kind of funny. Um, here's another article about somebody who's playing Skyrim with more than 300 mods installed. Good God. Um, is it even the same game anymore at that point? So, yeah, apparently this person was testing the limits uh, by playing the game with a total of 328 mods installed. So, this... Uh, it says here, some of the mods allow gamers to transform their main character into fearsome creatures and monsters. Um, so this person is, their gamer tag is Jailson Mendez, and he uploaded a short video, um, uh, on, let's see, I, I'm not seeing, 
Oh, it, it's on Reddit. He posted it on Reddit. Um, and, uh, yeah, Jason One Mendez. I have Jail Son One Mendez. There's a one figure. I apologize. So, he runs around different areas of the map, and it shows a distinctive. It, it distinctively shows a stark improvement in the graphics. So, the environment looks a lot more realistic, and. There's an NPC uh, that includes a dog that's a lot more lifelike. Uh, you can watch this video in the art. The article has the video here, and it's a two-minute video. And I'm trying to see if there's any other mods um, that. Yeah, I'm not seeing a list of the mods. I'd be interested in seeing what kind of mods he's using. It looks like he's got some unique armor and weapons there. So, the video also includes some combat. Okay, it looks like this is Whiterun, and Whiterun has had a complete overhaul here. There's a lot more trees. You can see a lot of trees in the background that you don't see in the game. So, I can, yeah, I can tell just by watching this some of the uh, types of mods that he's using. Um,. Okay, this person, the NPC, or the player character is a female. Yeah, that's definitely some unique armor. Looks like the kids have had an overhaul. This dog here looks like a husky. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. It uh, looks like the, uh, the person is also using Skyrim together. So, uh, you can play with friends here. Okay, yeah, the uh, combat's definitely had an overhaul also along with the menus yeah that that's definitely a unique weapon so pretty interesting uh, it's worth checking out if you're curious I wish that this article had a list of some of the mods that uh, Jailson is using that way we can find these ourselves so definitely worth looking at if you're curious so um, Another article I got here uh, saying that Deathloop is coming to Xbox Game Pass on the 20th. That's in two days as I'm recording this. Uh, I've already got it pre-installed on PC. I'll get into that here in a minute. And if you want to play it on a console, it's a series console exclusive. So you can't play it on an Xbox One, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty exciting. I think up until now it's been a PlayStation exclusive, so that's that's pretty exciting. I'm definitely going to check it out. Hopefully my computer's good enough to uh, play it. So back to Skyrim news. There was a Skyrim update on the 15th. So it's, a, it's update 1.25, and basically it's bug fixes for a bunch of uh, Creation Club content. So, yeah, the Dwarven Armored Mud Crab uh, Teleport Pet Spell is working again. Um, there's an update to the Farming mod. Gold Brand, uh, the Bat mod, Cultists will now stop spawning and attacking the Arcanium. Uh, Handman's Cleaver, uh, nan uh, namesake weapons can now be enchanted, and it fixes wrong names. Uh, back to the pets, the Nicktown Teleport pet spell works again. 
Relics of the Crusader, it revised text in Viparth's journal. Shadow Wren, uh, the player can no longer receive a permanent debuff. It's helpful. Uh, with survival mode, it issued, there was an issue with arrow weights that's been resolved. The cause, uh, Dramora Katanas, uh, now has Daedric Gauntlets of Negation, um, justifying his ability to wield Scourge. And there's been some typo fixes, and there's a fix with uh, fishing. It fixed a bug where player owns multiple Hearthfire homes with our aquarium fish uh, would only be displayed on the fish racks in one of them. So, yeah, um, it's definitely helpful. So you got an article here about bringing Redfall to life. There's been a lot of hype about Redfall recently. So that article is in the show notes if you're wanting to check it out. And that is it as far as the news. So let's get into my gameplay here. I have been playing a lot of different things recently. So if you have looked at my TikTok, I have uploaded some of my gameplay videos showing what I've been playing lately. So just a little bit. I haven't uploaded some of some of the stuff because, well, I can't until I figure it out. But with Xbox, I have been playing Sims 4. Uh, kind of cooled off a little bit on that, but uh, after the last episode, I played more of the university expansion. So I mentioned in the last episode that I was about to start university. Well, I am now out of university. So, and this is kind of funny because the first term, I'm like, fuck it, I'm gonna... I'm gonna go hard in this, and I'm going to finish quickly. So, the max amount, maximum amount of classes you can take is four. So, the problem with that is you need to have time to do all of your homework and your projects. So, the way it works is each term is a week. So, an in-game week. So there's homework for each class that you need to do, and then there's usually some sort of final project. So you need to have time to do your homework for everything you're taking and get your final project done. Well, that first term, like I said, I took, uh, I was a full-time student and I didn't understand the concept of doing the project. So I didn't do the presentation that I was required to do and a term paper. I'm pretty sure there's a couple of other things like that. So that first term I did not do well. And it's kind of funny, as I mentioned, because this kind of mirrors my real life right now because I am personally now also in school and I haven't been a student for over 11 years. So I am being smart and taking one class right now, but it really helps uh, just show the importance of time management. So after that, I only took, I think, two classes at a time with uh, the game. So I graduated with honors, and in the process of the university, my character got married and now has their own family. We, um, Once I was done with school, they kind of kick you out. It's like, all right, go find somewhere else to live. So I got a house, and I think it was the 
the um, zone that you get starting out. Um, I couldn't buy the how like with my original character, I got I sold that house and built a house on the beach. Excuse me while I take a drink of water here. And um, with this, uh, yeah, there was no way I could afford a house on the beach. But the degree that the character got was in culinary. And um, yeah, now they're, I think they, last time I saved, there were two kids, or either one kid and uh, my wife was pregnant. And uh, has a degree as a, a chef. Uh, and. Um, the wife has been going through the Strangerville uh, DLC, and I think I'm on the final step where you got to find a way to combat everything. It's kind of like Stranger Things, where there's some something affecting the town, and you got to figure out where it is or what it is and where. Um, so yeah, that's about it with Sims. It's been fun. Um, kind of took been taking a break from it, and. Uh, Let's see, with Fallout, I've been on Scorecation, but that is over now. Um, the new scoreboard has started. And if you want more information about uh, the new scoreboard and the new content, check out the next episode of Tapes from the Waste, where we're going to be talking about the Pit DLC. So there's a little plug there. And let's see, I've been playing a lot of Dragon Age Origins. So I've been listening to Jessica Starr on the Fallout feed talk a lot about Dragon Age. She's been going through the entire series. So Dragon Age is something I've tried, and I thought maybe it just didn't hook me. But I know a lot of people you know, talk about Dragon Age, and they're really high on Dragon Age. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give it another shot. So I have the entire series on Xbox. Um, I didn't, so like I've got the first two on Game Pass, but uh, Inquisition, I actually own. Um, there's the Bioware bundle that you can get that includes both Dragon Age Inquisition and uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. So pick that up if you so choose. And yeah, I think it was just a matter of I'd gotten distracted by other games, so I've been playing a lot of Dragon Age Origins uh, recently, and I'm just about done with it. I don't have a lot of the DLC. I did pick up the one where you get Shale, who's a, a stone golem, um, so that's been fun. And yeah, I'm excited to continue with that series when I'm not <laughs> overloaded with other stuff. Um, let's see what else I've been playing. I picked up the Cowabunga collection of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So if you've listened to Nintendo, I think I might have talked about it on this show also, but I'm a, I've been a Ninja Turtles fan since I was a kid, and my original NES came with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to the arcade game instead of uh, Mario and Duck Hunt or what other pack-in titles there they've had for the NES. Not to mention, I played the arcade game at Showbiz Pizza before it became Chuck E. Cheese. Um, I also had the original uh, Ninja Turtles game on NES. I played Turtles in Time quite a bit. So, big Ninja Turtles fan. And yeah, this is a collection of 13 games, including a bunch of Game Boy games. 
and it has the arcade versions of uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game. It's got the arcade version of that, as well as the arc arcade version of Turtles in Time. So I've been playing a lot of that recently, and it also has cheats that you can do to make the experience a little bit more enjoyable and not so much of a slog. But my only critique is that I wish you could pause the arcade games. You can't, you're like you're in the middle of something, somebody needs something, or you need to leave. You can save where you're at, but you can't pause the gameplay for the arcade ports. That is my only uh, critique there. Other than that, it's been a lot of fun. Um, as far as my Elder Scrolls related gameplay, uh, like I mentioned, I completed the uh, High Isle content with my European character, so I'm back to doing the Daggerfall Co Covenant content, uh, finishing that, I'm working on Cadwell Silver, essentially. So I've been going through the Daggerfall Covenant content, and I need to finish the High Isle content with at least one of my North American characters. So anyway, that is it as far as my gameplay. So let's get to what we are here for today, and that is a retrospective on the game Oblivion. I was born 87 years ago. For 65 years, I've ruled as Tamriel's emperor. But for all these years, I've never been the ruler of my own dreams. I have seen the gates of oblivion, beyond which no waking eye may see. Behold, in darkness, a doom sweeps the land. This is the 27th of Last Seed, the year of Akatosh 433. These are the closing days of the Third Era, and the final hours of my life. enjoyed that little opening cinematic from Oblivion. Uh, hopefully that puts you in the right mindset to play this game. 
Uh, I know it did for me. The first time I ever heard that, I was just in awe. Uh, not only because you had a character voiced by Patrick Stewart in this game, Sir Patrick Stewart, uh, who you interact with directly for the first however long in the game, but just the, the music, the everything about this game just screams epic so i first came across this game not long after it came out i think i've told this story on the show um, in the introduction episode but i first came across this game in 2006 the year it came out i was living with some a couple of guys in an apartment so this game came out in march of 2006 Six March 20th, 2006. I think that I came across it in June. I want to say June of 2006. So I had an apartment with a couple of guys. One of the guys my wife went to high school with. Um, and I brought in a few months later one of my co-workers that I worked with at Starbucks at the time. And he had a he had an Xbox 360, so he was like, yeah, sure, you can play whatever you want there. He only played Tiger Woods Golf, which it was really funny watching him play a golf game because he would get so frustrated sometimes. Um, it's like, it's, it's a golf game. Come on. But um, he was like, yeah, you can play whatever you want because there's a stack of games there. So I tried Hitman Blood Money. And I beat the tutorial. That was about it. Um, so I was, I was like, all right, that's fun. What else you got? So I looked through his games and I found this game. And it had some sort of weird symbol on the front. Um, it's like a little, it's almost like a circle, but at the top it was flat. And then the bottom wasn't connected. And then there was a dot in the middle. And it just said Elder Scrolls for Oblivion. I was like, what the hell is this? And so even from the back, I couldn't really tell what the game was about. Although it did look like it had a fantasy aspect to it. And I'm a huge Legend of Zelda fan. So I'm like, ah, cool, this is worth a shot. So I popped it in. And he had some games that were already... He had some save files, so I was like, all right, cool, let's check it out. You know, I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to start a brand new character. I never put it down. I don't even know how many hours I put into that game. I still put it into this game. Uh, I eventually got it for my PC. So I like you create your own character and you do whatever you want um you just run around doing whatever you want you can do good things you can do evil things the world is what you make of it i know that's a kind of a cliche but there's just there's no other way to describe this game other than epic whether it's the the characters the setting the Music done by Jeremy Soule, who has pretty much done the music for every Elder Scrolls game since Morrowind. 
Um, I know he's got some uh, trouble going right now, but it seems like everybody does these days. But um, yeah, I, I I was just completely hooked within a few minutes of this game. So my first character I made, I, I didn't know anything about the lore. I didn't know anything about the races, um, which is kind of funny because I got a, a story about that later. But I was just kind of going through making my own character and I was looking at the descriptions and I came across red, the Red Guard race and it said they were the most natural, naturally gifted warriors in all of Tamriel. So I'm like, all right, sword and shield, great. I didn't really, like I said, I knew nothing about the lore. Um, I didn't really, and I, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't really looking for a magic based character. I was just looking for like a warrior character. I mean, there are also the orcs, but um, <laughs> this is around the time that the Lord of the Rings movies and everything was still in. I, I mean, maybe uh, actually Return of the King, I think, was fairly new at that point. So when I thought of orcs, I thought of the orcs from the Lord of the Rings race. I didn't heard the Lord of the Rings games and movies and all that. I didn't really think of them as a, an accepted uh, race of people. And like like a, a non-violent. I just thought of them as evil. Um, and like I said, I've got a story about that later. But uh, yeah, it's just I, I went with a Red Guard character and went about my day. Um, I th I've also told this story in the on the show I don't know what, and people will react to your character in different ways based on a, a number of things. Um, I was in the, the town of Skingrad, and there's a character, an NPC by the name of Bernadette Penelis, uh, who must have been racist, or maybe I did something. I don't, I think this was before I accepted the fact that doing evil deeds is quote unquote okay. I wanted to play a squeaky clean white knight type of character. I didn't want to do anything evil. But this character was still sneering at me. And I, I still to this day do not know what I did to piss her off. But yeah, she just, she would always sneer at me when I was in a conversation with her. Um, and it should be noted that this is the first game in the series, the mainline series, where NPCs were fully voiced. Now, there's the running joke about how there's only like five people that voice everybody in the game. Not entirely true, but uh, it, it's still kind of, I mean, it, it's mostly true, but not entirely. But uh, yeah, in Morrowind, they would voice, there were character voices, but not in conversation. So <laughs> it, it should be noted that I tried this game. I, I got hooked with this game and then went and tried Morrowind later on. I bought it for PC and it took me so long to get used to the mechanics of Morrowind because they're completely different from Oblivion. Oblivion is a complete overhaul of all of the mechanics in, that they previously used. The combat is completely different. The fast travel, they're like they're 
was fast travel in Morrowind, but it was very, very limited. I actually have an episode that you can go back and listen to um, in the archives. It was, I think it's a Bolivian fans chat or fan questions, or let me look that up very quickly. The episode is called Oblivion Listener Suggestions. I was kind of doing a, a series on Oblivion. So I'm not going to get too in-depth as far as that goes. Um, just go take a listen to that episode. It uh, dropped March 3rd of 2021, so definitely go and check that out. I did a few episodes on that. I did an episode on the Septim Dynasty, and I did an episode on Mythic Dawn. And then I took questions, uh, which was great to see. I actually got quite a few questions that I addressed in that episode. I tried to do the same thing with this one. Unfortunately, I had people react to the posts, but nobody actually asked any questions. So, you know, it is what it is. But... Yeah, um, like I said, the, I, it took me a bit to get used to Morrowind's mechanics, but with Oblivion, I was hooked from the very beginning. So there are quite a few factions in Oblivion that you can join. There is the Dark Brotherhood, there's the Thieves Guild, there's the Mages Guild, and then there's the Fighters Guild. Not to mention, you can actually become a member of the Blades, and you basically have to uh, to progress with the main story in Oblivion but um, let, let's kind of go through each storyline in the game at least the mainline game we'll get into the DLC here in a bit but with the main quest you start as a prisoner you don't know why you are in jail, but you start out in a prison cell. It's kind of a common theme with Elder Scrolls games. Of course, I didn't know that at the time. But yeah. There's more games where you start out as a prisoner than games where you don't. Even in Morrowind, you don't start out in a jail cell, but you are... You do find out that you are a captive, and you're being released into Morrowind for a specific reason. You're on a quest for the Emperor. In Oblivion, you start out in jail or in prison and there's commotion going about and you see a guard that is standing at your jail cell and he's like move back we've got official business here in walks the emperor and it you find out that there's been an attack and all of the Emperor's children are dead, and they're they're attacking him also. And the hidden escape route from the prison just happens to be through your cell. And when the emperor sees you, he says that he's seen you in a dream that leads to his death. So he's already, he's foreseen his death in a dream. And it turns out that because you're there, he realizes this is the day that he's gonna die. And this is all an attack 
from an unknown source. And basically it's to wipe out the bloodline of the Emperor. Like, you, you find out through the course of the game that the attack was by a group called Mythic Dawn. They are worshippers of Maelorin's Dagon. And the Amulet of Kings is... It's not, it's not just jewelry. It's a symbol of the Empire itself, which I've gone through in the series that I've done on the uh, different incarnations of the Empire. And starting with St. Alessia. And it's used to light the dragon fires in the Temple of the One in the Imperial City. And the dragon fires hold the forces of oblivion at bay. It keeps them in oblivion and it keeps them from invading Tamriel. So with the dragon fires lit, you have to have a member of the Septim dynasty alive to relight them and keep the forces of oblivion at bay. However, all of the legitimate children of Tiber Septim, or of, of uh, not Tiber, but Uriel Septim are now dead. There is hope, however, because there is an illegitimate child of Uriel Septim named Martin. And Martin doesn't know who he is. He doesn't realize that he is Uriel Septim's son. There, the only person who knows of his existence is Joffrey. And Joffrey is the headmaster, grandmaster of the Blades. He, he's been living in... in uh, he, he's basically been living undercover for a while. But before Uriel dies, because he, he gets assassinated, unfortunately. You watch it happen. There's nothing he can do. He tells you of his heir. And he sends you to find Joffrey. And... You, uh, he he basically says, if you you know, we need to get to him at once. Unfortunately, he is in watch. He doesn't know. Like I said, he doesn't know that he's there. But Kavach is under attack by the time you get there, and you rescue him and take him to Wayland Priory. Uh, to find Joffrey, and there's an attack there as well. So the Mythic Dawn were very organized. And uh, Joffrey is the only one left alive there. And you take Joffrey and Martin Septim to... Uh, I'm blanking on the name, but it's the Hidden Fortress of the Blades. Cloud Rule is him. There we go. Um... And you work with Martin and Joffrey to uncover the plot of the Mythic Dawn. Um, all the while, all these different Oblivion portals, Oblivion gates, are popping up. And you work with the dukes and duchesses, uh, the counts and countesses of the different cities, to close these different Oblivion gates and eventually stop the forces of Maerun's Dagon. Unfortunately, it happens after the dragon fires are still not lit, and Maerun's Dagon is able to step foot onto Tam into Tamriel, 
and Martin uses the amulet of kings. He shatters it and becomes the avatar of Akatosh. And he is able to stop Marin's Dagon, but after he suffers a mortal wound. So unfortunately, Martin dies in the process. He becomes a statue that still is in the Temple of the One in the Imperial City. Um, I did skip over a few things, but you, you know, like you have to get, uh, you have to stop Mankar Cameron, who is the ruler of the Mythic Dawn. I mentioned all of this in the Mythic Dawn episode. You have to, like, Mankar Cameron was able to create his own pocket of oblivion that you have to find a way to um, create a, your own portal to because they had stolen the Amulet of Kings when they attacked Wayne Priory. Or Wayne and Priory. So you had to recover that. So there is the story of, of the main quest in Oblivion in a nutshell. Um, hope you guys hope you guys are okay with spoilers for a uh, 15, you know, 15, 16 year old game. Um, there are plenty of other storylines to uh, explore. Like I said, there's the Mages Guild, where uh, there it, it has to do with necromancy. Big theme of the game is that necromancy has been banned by the Archmage, uh, Archmage Traven, Traven. I've heard it pronounced both ways in the game, and it turns out that. The person behind the whole ordeal is none other than Manny Marco. So, this is the first time I ever heard of Manny Marco, and since uh, since this, he was a major character in ESO, and so I was kind of surprised to see Manny Marco in ESO. But it, I guess it makes sense with him being a necromancer. <clears throat> so. That was definitely interesting. Uh, see, the Dark Brotherhood, you start the Dark Brotherhood by murdering somebody. Again, I approached this game not wanting to do anything evil, but eventually I had a thought. It's like, you know what? These people aren't real. I'm not ruining buddy's lives by going around thieving and murdering. I can do whatever the hell I want. So I went back to Bernadette Penniless, who again treated me rather unkindly. I broke into her house and murdered her in her bed. <laughs> um, so that uh, was, I think, the first murder I committed. And you get approached by Lucy and Lachance the next time you sleep in a bed. And he says, You sleep rather soundly for a murderer. That's good. You'll need a clear conscience for what I'm about to propose. And you can fight him on that, say you're not a murderer, but I mean, you are. <laughs> Even if it was accidental or not, which there have been times where I've accidentally murdered an enemy. Uh, I remember there was one instance where I went back to Wayne and Priory with the Mythic Dawn were attacking and I guess I had attacked them before they even saw me so it counted as a murder. So, uh, 
he basically says there's another person you need to go kill named Rufio. Um, he doesn't really tell you what Rufio did, but he's very sick and he's on the brink of death anyway. And to join the Dark Brotherhood, you need to murder him. So, um, I mean, you can walk away if you want, but definitely go and do this because the Dark Brotherhood is one of the most fun quest lines in the game. Um, so you'd be denying yourself a, a good time if you didn't go through with this. So, yeah, you basically go kill Rufio. It's very easy. He dies in one hit. And then he tells you to, like, he, he shows up again and tells you where the sanctuary for the Dark Brotherhood is, what the password is to get in there, because the door needs you to speak a password to get in. And you go from there. And it, like I said, the, the Dark Brotherhood is one of the best quest lines in the game, because not only, like, yes, you're going around murdering people, but you're doing it in a lot of unique ways, whether it is switching out somebody's medicine with poison, or it is uh, dropping a taxidermy minotaur head on somebody's head while they're reading. And it's just, you, you can go and you can kill the dark elf Valendreth that taunts you at the beginning of the game in prison. He says a lot of nasty things to you. So there's also that. Um, the whole storyline cultivates when you find out that there is a uh, mole in, or there's a murderer among murderers. There's somebody that's going around killing Dark Brotherhood members. And you find out who it is and you stop him at the end and then you actually meet the night mother herself at the very end so again spoilers for a, a game that came out in 2006 so uh, then i mentioned the uh, thieves guild also now when i first played this uh back 2006 2007 it was one of the buggiest quest lines I have ever encountered. I think it's been fixed since then, but I had so many bugs. Like, there were freezes, there were um, scenes where somebody... There were times where I had to use console commands just to progress in the story. But it's definitely worth checking out, because the Grey Cowl, or the Cowl of the Grey Fox, is a powerful artifact it hides the user from like it basically makes it to where people don't know who you are you have a completely different identity you are the gray fox you're not whoever your character is um there's a story going around that the gray fox has been living for thousands of years uh, you find out why people believe that um i'm not going to get into all that i could do an entire episode on that but um you find you do find out who the great fox is or at least at that point um in time at the end of the storyline but i want to say this is the first appearance of an actual elder scroll in an elder scrolls game one of the very last quests in the game is you actually have to steal a you have to steal an elder scroll from the moth priests in the imperial city and like I said, it's it's worth checking out now. Um, 
when I do the quote-unquote evil faction uh, quests, I wait to do them until I have an invisibility spell that I can use. Um, there is the duplication glitch, so if you need to, you can duplicate a bunch of invisibility potions if you're that impatient, but I wait until I have a spell. So I have to get my illusion skill up high enough to where I can do this. But again, it's, it's, it's worth checking out. Um, so let's see, there's also the Fighter's Guild. So you go and do a bunch of, you do Fighter's Guild quests and either, uh, you, you go to either Shaden Hall or Anvil and deal with the Fighter's Guild leaders there to get quests and you alternate between those. Um, there's some <laughs> kind of crazy quests there at the beginning, like there's a woman who wants you, she has a bunch of pet rats and she wants you to protect them from this mountain lion that you find out um, what what's going on is one of her neighbors hates the fact that she has pet rats so she has been leaving meat outside the window to the basement where the rats are being kept and it kind of went south like she was she wasn't trying to kill the rats she was trying to scare the uh, woman to getting and she wants her to get rid of the pet rats I want to say one of the first times I did this, I didn't realize that the rats were her pets, so I killed them, and she was not happy about that. Um, let's see, there's the the first quest that you get from Burr's Gorgosh in Shaden Hall. Um, you need to provide weapons for some of your guild members who are in a, a cave that's overrun by goblins. Now, this is what I was talking about because uh, I mentioned this earlier because one of your guildmates is an orc. And the very first time I played this, I saw an orc. I'm like, oh shit, there's an orc there. I need to kill him. Um, yeah, that was bad. Uh, I didn't understand that in the world of Tamriel, orcs are just a race of people like everybody else. I was coming off of Lord of the Rings, as I mentioned. So uh, yeah, that was bad. Um, <clears throat> I had to redo it that time. So, yeah, the, that, uh, and once you get farther on in the Oblivion's uh, Fighters Guild story, you find out that there is another faction that's kind of rising up and stealing your clients in the Blackwood area. Um, they're called the Blackwood Company. And you, <laughs> the, the the problem with what they're doing is that they are just going in and killing everything without giving it a second thought. They're not um, basically. You find out that they're taking some sort of enhancing enhancement drug, uh, Hist-Sap, I think it's Hist-Sap, uh, and just it. It's basically like the Elder Scrolls version of Psycho. Um, where it just kind of makes them go nuts for a little bit. So you have to go in and shut them down. And there's a, a quest early on where they want you to go. There's a, a, a little wood elf uh, who defected on his quest. Like he fault defaulted. That's the word I was looking for on his quest. And you go in and do it for him. And he's like, I don't care. Yeah, you can say what you want. So I usually turn him in. And he ends up jumping ship later on to the Blackwood Company. 
but yeah, you you basically at the end of the quest you gotta shut them down because they're not doing things the right way. They they have no honor in the way they're completing these quests. So that is basically it as far as the faction storylines. There's a lot of random side quests that are bizarre. Oh, um, <laughs> I forgot to mention this. There's a quest in the Dark Brotherhood storyline that is very, very memorable. Um, this guy invites you to this party and um, basically he wants you to kill all the guests because they've wronged him in some way. So it's, it's really fun because there's a lot of different ways that you can go about doing it. So you can find a way to turn everybody on each other. Basically, you gotta you gotta kill everybody in a way that nobody else suspects you. So you can charm the guests up, and once it gets to one of the last people, one of the last guests, like there's no way that you could be the one that's doing this. So it's got to be them. I'm gonna go kill them. So they kill somebody for you. And I want to say the quest is called Who Done It. It's fantastic because there's so many different ways you can go about doing it he doesn't care how you do it as long as the the guests are dead so it's a lot of fun um again one of the best storylines in the game so again that is all of the faction quests there are so many different side quests in the game uh there's a wood elf in skin grad Arthur who's crazy and he wants you to stalk people throughout the day because he knows that they're watching him. He just absolutely knows it without a shadow of a doubt. So um, definitely definitely find Glarthur. He, he actually approaches you I believe but uh, it, it's great because in Oblivion all of these NPCs have daily schedules so you can find them in specific places at certain times of the day. They they sleep, they get up, they eat. Um, you can actually poison people with poisoned apples because, uh, by like clearing all the food out of a certain area and leaving poisoned apples around. Um, that was not a thing in the earlier games. Like in Morrowind, people were in one spot all day, every day. Um, but in Oblivion, they actually have a schedule. Like a daily schedule, like they're a daily and weekly schedule. It's one of the first games that I ever played that was like that. So when Glarthur wants you to find these people, you have to follow them on their daily route. So you have to know what that route is. And uh, yeah, there's just so many random side quests that you wouldn't even know are there. Um, so let's let's talk about Oblivion Gates. Oblivion Gates are basically portals to hell, um, to the Deadlands, Mayor Sagan's uh, pocket of Oblivion. But it kind of looks like hell. So you, there are Oblivion Gates that are part of the main quest, part of different quests. But you can actually just go in and explore them on your own if you so choose. So you go through and you, you you have to close the gate so there is a tower that had that at the top has a sigil stone and the way to close the oblivion gate is to get the sigil stone so 
it's not easy. You got to fight through a bunch of Dramora clan fears and scams. Um, sometimes worse than that. But um, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times where I just like I run to the top of the tower with a bunch of enemies trailing behind me trying to kill me. But once you get the hang of it, it's not bad. Um, a lot of uh, Daedra are vulnerable to your ice or fire spell, or not fire, um, ice or electric spells. So you can take them out with those or uh, enchant your weapons with fire or fire, um, ice or electric spells, yeah. <laughs> which you can use sigil stones to do that. Um, so yeah, they are fun. Um, some of them are optional, but I, when I get bored, uh, sometimes just go and explore uh, Oblivion Gate and get some enchanting materials for that. Like I said, um, sigil stones you can use to enchant, and it'll there'll be an enchantment that you can use for weapons, and then there's an enchantment that you can use on armor. But you can only use a sigil, st sigil stone once. I don't know why I'm having trouble speaking today. Um, unless you duplicate them, which I could tell you how to use the duplication glitch if you would like. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and do that. So if you, you have to have scrolls, um, you have to have multiples of a scroll. So you can buy like four or five of one specific scroll. And the number of scrolls that you have of that indicates how many times something will be duplicated. So you double select the scroll and then you drop whatever item you want to duplicate. Now, it doesn't always work. It depends on what the item is, but most of the time it'll work and you can either use, like if, it's, if you're duplicating a potion, um, or you can duplicate something else and then go sell it. And it's an easy way to make money. So it's great. Um, another thing that Oblivion has is an arena. So you can fight in the arena. Um, it should be noted that, and I'll probably get into this when we do a retrospective on arena, but the poster that you see in the Imperial City uh, that is an advertisement for the arena is the cover for Elder Scrolls Arena, the very first game series. And in when they first came up with the concept for Arena, this is what it was gonna be. So you just fight a bunch of enemies in the arena and you rise up in the ranks. Now the arena champion is an orc who knows that he's different. He's not like other orcs. So there's a side quest to uncover his past. And when you do, he's not happy with it. And he basically just tells you to put him out of his misery. And uh, so, I mean, it, it's sad. Um, if you don't do it, then he's a very, very tough opponent. But once you become the arena champion, you get the adoring fan um, who is, should be renamed the Annoying Fan, but he's voiced by Craig Sheckler. And, uh, Craig Sheckler, and he's kind of become a, a fan favorite. Uh, this little blonde wood elf that is just completely enthralled by you. 
Um, I've seen videos on YouTube of a lot of uh, unique ways to kill him, but he always comes back. You can just keep killing him and he'll keep coming back. Kind of crazy. Um, I wonder if there's some hidden secret about the Adoring fan that we don't know of. So, yeah, um, I guess the arena does kind of count as a faction, rise up in the ranks of that. So, those are the different stories in the main game, Oblivion. Let's get into some of the DLC. So, I've talked about Knights of the Nine, but um, <laughs> um, Knights of the Nine is something that I always wait to do until I've done all of the quote-unquote evil faction stories. Uh, because of how you start the game, uh, start the DLC. So you find you hear NPCs. That one way you can get quests is by asking NPCs about rumors that they've heard. So they'll talk about how there was an attack on the chapel in Anvil. So oh, I, I should mention, yeah, the kind of the chapel is kind of another thing. You can go and pray at the altars to uh, cure whatever disease that you've got uh, from wandering around. You can even do this with vampirism as long as it's been less than a day in-game um, if you haven't slept. So if it's been longer than that, then you're stuck with it and you can either use it and um, enjoy it or you can get a side quest to cure your vampirism. That's a whole other ordeal. But you hear rumors of an attack on the chapel in Anvil. It's very bloody. Um, so in Anvil, there is a prophet who is talking about the coming of Umeril the Unfeathered who I've talked about in a previous episode, more than one episode, actually. Now, it's it's kind of funny, because when I first heard, or I first encountered this prophet, I thought that he was kind of voiced by Mel Brooks, or somebody pretending to be Mel Brooks. I thought it, I, he kind of looks like Mel Brooks, he sounds like Mel Brooks. It turns out it was Wes Johnson all along, and I actually asked him about that um, on Instagram. He thought it was funny. Um, but no, it, it's Mel Brooks. Apparently my dog just let out a big yawn. And he's talking about Umeril the Unfeathered and how he's coming back. Uh, Pelinal Whitestrake failed to... He, he killed him, but he wasn't completely gone. So you need to bring back the Knights of the Nine. So, because at this point they were... It, it was uh, not taboo to consider Talos... Uh, divine. So, um, you've got to... The, the reason why Pelinal failed to completely rid uh, Tamriel of Umaril is because he didn't have the help of Talos. Talos was not a divine at that point. Talos wasn't even around. This is all first era stuff. When I first played this, I had no idea who Pelinal Whitestreak or Merle the Unfeathered were. Go check out uh, the episodes about the aliens and um, St. Alessia and Pelinal Whitestreak in the archives. But um, yeah, you're set out on a quest to. Well, first off, you got to pray at all these different way shrines to get rid of your infamy, essentially. 
and it's pain in the ass. Uh, the map that uh, the prophet gives you is basically useless. But uh, yeah, you once you figure out that the way shrines are basically right outside city gates, you rid yourself of all of your infamy. You go about getting the relics of the crusader, who is Pelinol White Streak, and you use them to ultimately get rid of Umeril again. So, I mean, it's, it's not terribly long. That's basically it. But, god damn, the, the ridding yourself of infamy is it's such... It, it's not fun. Um, like I said, it's, it's easier once you figure out where these way, shr way shrines are located, but uh, yeah, the, the map that the Prophet gives you makes no sense. But yeah, um, the only... yeah being uh, quote-unquote uh, being pure of heart is the only way that you can wear and wield these relics of the crusader um, so if you do anything to get infamy you're unable to use them until you go through the whole process again um so yeah that's knights of the nine in a nutshell um like i said it, i consider it proof that Talos is in fact a divine because you wouldn't be able to uh, get rid of Umeril for good without uh, the help of Talos. Not to mention in Skyrim, if you pray at an altar to Talos, it does something. Um, let's see. And there's the horse armor. I'm really going to get into that. It's kind of self-explanatory. You can get two different types of armor for your horse. And I love that there's a Creation Club mod that brings that back. Um, there's also different player houses that you can get uh, with different themes like Dark Brotherhood, Thieves Guild, things like that. Those are fun. Um, I actually got those originally from uh, Xbox Magazine disc that had those on there. It's kind of cool. Um, the biggest DLC in Oblivion is Shivering Isles. And what do I say about Shivering Isles that I haven't already said? Um, I think it's fantastic, uh, very colorful, very mind-blowing. And it's all about the Grey March, um, which I talked about in the Shea Gorath episode. So... Basically, uh, Sheogorath is reverting to his Jiglag form, and he wants you to stop it. But then you find out that there is no stopping it, and you have to defeat Jiglag. Um, a lot of different quests that explore different types of madness. Um, everybody in the Shivering Isles is insane in their own way. There is... <laughs> there's a headstone that uh, basically said that somebody was put to death because he grew a beard. So that's something I didn't really address in the beginning, is that you can't really have facial hair in Oblivion. You can get 5 o'clock shadow, but that's about it. Um, which is weird, because in all the other games you can have facial hair, but not Oblivion. You basically just... Like I said, get 5 o'clock shadow. Shigrath himself has a beard, but apparently anybody else having facial hair is punishable by death. Uh, the head, other headstones are kind of Easter eggs, so uh, it's worth looking at. But 
Um, yeah, Shagrath, very memorable character. A lot of people love him. Voiced by Wes Johnson. Um, I recently had a conversation with Wes Johnson, um, actually, when I was a part of the Alzheimer's Foundation, the uh, Voice of Palooza group, the streaming team for that, we all got to have uh, a brief conversation with Wes Johnson himself on Discord. So I got to talk to him for a little bit, and he said some really interesting things. Um, in my episode that I did on Shadowgrath, I was the whole theme of the episode was about a dichotomy with him. And he actually said that there were like three different layers to the voice of Shadowgrath, which I thought was really interesting. He brought up the fact that he he actually had a staff of Shadowgrath. Uh, prop made for him that got broken and he blamed uh, Jiglag for its uh, breaking and I kind of called him out on it I was like with the Daedric Prince of Order just going around breaking shit and he's like well if you think about it his Knights of Order had weapons and they weren't very friendly were they and I'm like oh, you know touche um, <laughs> it was kind of funny uh, yeah, it was, it was a great little conversation. Um, I wanted to do an episode with him, asking him questions. Unfortunately, that never really came to pass. But it was actually great to, to speak with him for a few minutes. But yeah, the, when he described the whole process behind, behind developing the voice for Shea Gorath, it was very interesting. Um... And I mentioned in the episode I did on Shagwath that the farther along you get in the Shivering Niles episode or the DLC, the more quote unquote sane he becomes. And it just goes to show that uh, the process of what was going on and how he was kind of reverting back to Jiglag. And. He does. He like he sends you on a bunch of quests to kind of figure, you know, get a taste for the different types of madness there are. And I've talked about the chalice uh, quest where you got to go into the elytra hive, and it deals with addiction. And that quest was very frustrating. And I don't know how people complete that quest without the duplication glitch the Feldu, um, du like duplicating Feldu. Um, yeah, it, it, it's great DLC. Like I said, it can get challenging at times, but it ultimately leads to you defeating Jiglag and you do stop the Grey March and you become the next Jiglag. Or not Jiglag, you become the next Shagorath. And and like the, the rumor goes that the Shagorath you find in Skyrim is actually your player character in Oblivion. So yeah, um, very interesting. So in the you, you find out at the end of the game Oblivion that that is the end of the third era. So this whole game is about the end of the third era. The, every other game aside from 
I don't remember exactly when Battlespire takes place, but other than Redguard, takes place in the Third Era. So the Third Era is all you know at this point. And this is the end of it. Um, when Shagrath talks to you in Shivering Isles, he tells you that it the Grey March happens at the end of an era. And this is the end of the Third Era. So we didn't know up until Skyrim or up in, like even up until the books what the next game was kind of was going to look like because it was like the game Oblivion technically takes place in two eras it takes place in the third era and the fourth era but again you didn't really know what the fourth era was going to look like until Skyrim came along um once Martin sacrifices himself, Chancellor Okado takes over, and I get, from what I gathered, he is assassinated a few years later. So, yeah, that that is really the story of Oblivion. I didn't really get into development details. I guess I can kind of get into that a little bit. Like I said, the game came out in 2006. The development started as soon as Marlin was done. Like I said, uh, the NPCs function quite a bit differently than they did in previous games. They have a lot more life to them. Even if people claim that they have a potato face, which Mike the Liar actually kind of alludes to in Skyrim saying that the MP, that the people of Skyrim are more beautiful than the people of Cyrodiil, but he doesn't have a, a say in the matter. That's because <laughs> Mike is in Oblivion and Marlin. Um, but I want to say that Mike also says that my, the name Mike is passed down from generation to generation, but Mike is also a liar, so he knows if that's true. One other criticism of Oblivion is that the dungeons look basically the same. Um, I want to say there were very few people who actually worked on the dungeons. So there was only one or two people who worked on the dungeons. And when Skyrim came along, like when they were working on Skyrim, uh, they had a lot more people working on those. So that's why they're a little bit more varied as far as their layout. The... Uh, one thing that, like the, with the NPCs I mentioned, they use a system called Radiant AI, um, where NPC, NPCs were designed to make choices rather than completely scripted routines to achieve predetermined goals. So like I said, they eat, sleep, read, speak to others. You hear them talking about uh, rumors to each other all the time, as I mentioned. Um... Uh, <laughs> Uh, which you hear them talking about the, the Nerevarine and how he's been missing. You hear them talking about uh, challenges, struggles going on in other provinces. Um, here's another thing that I didn't really talk about. There were a lot of very well-known voice actors for these games. I mentioned Patrick Stewart. You heard him at the beginning of this segment. Linda Carter voiced the female Nords and Orcs. Uh, Sean Bean voiced Martin Septim. And this is another thing that uh, Wes Johnson brought up in the conversation that we had. It wasn't just me and this. There were several other people. But 
before Sean Bean was brought on, uh, Wes Johnson did all of the, like he voiced all the lines for Martin Septim. And that was a rumor. I don't know if that ever been like, but he mentioned it in the conversation that we had. Terrence Stamp voiced uh, Mankar Cameron. So uh, that was another great thing to hear. He, and I don't blame him for this, but he mentions, or he, he says something along the lines of Cold Harbor being the plane of oblivion attributed to Meridia, which we all know that's not true. Cold Harbor is the plane of oblivion that is attributed to Moag Ball. But uh, yeah, Jeremy Soule did the music very uh, well known uh, with Elder Scrolls games. So yeah, um, wonderful, wonderful game. I still play it to this day. Uh, I've streamed it quite a few times. And I just, I don't really know how you can get much better than that. I know people hold Morrowind in very high regard. Um, other people say Morrowind's very dated. There are people who say that Oblivion's dated, but I can still go back and play Oblivion to this day. So that is really it for this episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, looking forward to doing more retrospectives in the future but i think that this one is very timely because it fits into the series that i've been doing on the different incarnations of the empire so next up i'm going to be talking about the uh, mead dynasty the one that we deal with in the uh, game skyrim so i know in the past i've been very hard on the empire and skyrim saying that they're not the empire that i know and i guess that's true because it is a completely different family that is in charge in skyrim so it's not the same <laughs> empire that i knew and uh before then so Anyway, that is it for this episode. Well, like I said, we'll talk about the Mead Dynasty in the next one. So until then, I'd like to thank The Hive, as always, for sponsoring this podcast. And if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at gold 8 And like I said, I have been uploading gameplay videos on TikTok. So you can find me on TikTok at Sulior. And... Um, yeah, uh, you can find the show at Tamriel Pete. So, also, if you can do me a huge favor and leave a rating and review on Inst on uh, Apple Podcast and Spotify, um, it's really helpful. Uh, more than you know, it helps people find the show, and it also gives me a little bit of a confidence boost. So, <laughs> just just saying. Um, so yeah, until next time, guys, stay safe, adventurers.